It is good to see you this morning in the house of the Lord. We want to begin our day with a spirit of heart and worship and praise to his name. In the Old Testament, when God gave to Moses the instruction for Aaron, his brother, the high priest, and the garments that he was to wear, they were to be made with precise detail. And on the head covering, the mitre, there were words that said, Holiness to the Lord. And that, of course, was a testimony that Aaron, the high priest, bore continually in front of the people. And it was, of course, a meaning that he needed to be holy unto the Lord, but it was also a very clear description that the God that we are worshiping is a God of holiness. And we want to sing this morning our opening hymn, number three, and the words will be behind me on the screen, holy, holy, holy. Let's stand, please, as we worship the Lord.
Let's bow, please, before the Lord now in prayer and commit our, our day unto him. Our eternal God and our loving Father, as we have been lifting our hearts in praise and in worship through the words of this song, this hymn, that so captures the theme of the word of the living God. And dear Father, as we, as mortal beings, human, sinful creatures, and yet, Lord, grace has been given to us to be able to utter these words with all sincerity, with all of our being. We acknowledge, Lord, the absolute perfection and holiness of the God with whom we have to do. And it's so far beyond our comprehension. And yet, Lord, we know this, that through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus, we have received full atonement, full covering. There is no longer any condemnation against us, for we have been forgiven our sin. And dear Father, we now are able to be welcomed into your holy presence because of the blood of our Lord who shed his lifeblood for us. Dear Father, help us, we ask, as we commit our day, we commit our time of worship, we commit all of the details and meetings of this incoming week to your gracious hand. Lord, go before us. May this day be a high day of blessing. And as we pray that prayer, we mean, Lord, that we will all be conscious of the Spirit moving in our hearts, revealing from the Word our Lord Jesus, conforming us more clearly to His Holy character and nature, that we would be made like him, Father. That is your will. We know it. And therefore, we are praying according to your divine will and purpose. We're looking to see the answers to these prayers, this specific one in our own lives. Lord, we pray for the help of the Spirit in our worship, in our praying, in the reading of the Word of God, let it be a word to our own heart. And then the message that your servant will bring today, may he know help and power in delivering the Word. And let it be a word in season to every believer. But Father, what about those who are still without Christ, still unsaved? They maybe have heard the Word many times, either in our church or listening online. And Father, we are asking that the Spirit of God would come with conviction, speaking effectually to their hearts and bringing them out of darkness and into light. And Lord, we pray that this testimony and witness will reverberate from our congregation here 
in our city, through all the forms of outreach that we attempt to do in presenting our Lord Jesus. Go in front of us, Lord, and bless us. Bless our witness. Bless our personal, our private witness. And give us the joy of pointing people to Christ. Dear Lord, hear our prayer today. Receive our thanksgiving. We have so much to rejoice in, Father, for all the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, the knowledge that we will be in glory, that our sins have been forgiven. We will never be in a lost eternity in hell. Lord, we are thankful also for every earthly provision. So abundantly, Lord, you take care of us. And we are thankful for that today. So receive our praise. Receive our worship. And dear Father, remember, we ask again those who cannot be here because of their sickness. Lord, touch their lives, their hearts today. Be with them, we pray. Remember those that have recently come through surgery. Those who have medical problems whether they are large or small. Father, attend to them, we pray. We know our Savior is the great physician, and we are thankful and happy to commit our loved ones into your hand, Lord, and pray that they would experience joy and peace. And Lord, where there is not to be immediate healing, we pray that your grace would be abundantly poured in so they would be able to say, as Paul did, Lord, I know that your grace is sufficient for me. So make us strong in the time of our weakness. Help us to be very clear thinking in the time when the devil would want to bring confusion. Help us always to have our eyesight pointed toward our Lord Jesus and to follow him as pilgrims bound for the heavenly land. Let us never lose sight of Jesus. Remember, Lord, the needs of this, this week that's upon us and all of the men who will be traveling on Monday. And we pray, Lord, for all of our services, so much activity. But in the midst of all the planning and activity, Lord, we are, we are very much aware that we need the Spirit's presence. We need our Savior, to be with us. Lord, we pray that not a service will be conducted, that we don't, we're not conscious of our Lord working in us and through us. Lord, hear our prayer this week. Have mercy upon our land, our nation, for we stand in need of awakening, reviving of every true believer. And Lord, we pray that in our leaders politically, that your fear would be upon them, that you would draw near and bless them with salvation, bring them out of hypocrisy and darkness into the light and the liberty and the joy of sins forgiven. Lord, give to us, we pray, God-fearing leaders in places of authority. So hear our prayer. Bless us now as we continue in our worship. We ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's continue, please, in our worship, singing Psalm 67. And we'll stand to sing. The Psalms are at the back of our book.
phrase as we've been reading. It says in the third verse, let people all be praised. There is great rejoicing for the child of God. Well, let that theme and that truth be in our hearts today as we sing this final stanza, lifting up our thanksgiving unto God. seated. Returning for our congregational Bible reading now to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah's prophecy chapter 55 beginning at the first verse and it starts off with that little word ho. It's calling for attention calling to listen to the message that is being spoken. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Ho, every one that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor, for that which satisfieth not, hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David." Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and a commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew thee not shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be, that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy, 
and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Great word that Isaiah was able to communicate to the people in that day, speaking of the gospel that was going to go forward, that was going to include many people, and the Lord, the living God, making an everlasting covenant of truth and peace and forgiveness of sins to all that will come under the word of the Lord. Verse 11 says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, and it shall not return unto the Lord void. God has spoken his word. We have it recorded for us in the Bible. The word of God, though, means very little to this world. It means very little to the people who have intelligence, knowledge, and the wisdom of this world, and they conclude that they know better. And they conclude that whatever is written in the Bible, it's not authoritative. It's not something that is over my life. But God looks at things totally different. He sees things that when my word has gone out, it will accomplish what I have purposed. It cannot return to him empty. His word does not just go out and then we'll see what happens. That's not how the Lord operates. No. And we have been given his promise, his word. And as believers, therefore, let us willingly and in all circumstances be prepared to submit our will unto God's word and the revealed truth. And sometimes that might appear a bit nebulous, a bit how am I to put that into practice, but it's a spirit that we should have all of us in our hearts and a desire to pray, Lord, where I am missing out something here, I pray that you would reinforce that truth to my soul and give me always a willing spirit according to the divine truth and purpose and that I will not be overcome by my own selfish desires, my own determination of what I want to do. No, Lord, let my will always be subject unto your will. Well, that's what being Christ-like is about, and we need to have that in our life. May God bless his word and encourage our hearts by that today. We welcome you all to our morning worship service today. We have already been able to enjoy the ministry of God's servant, our brother, Pastor Richard Craig from Jamaica, and he is one of the first ones, in fact, he was the first one that has arrived here for our presbytery and our prayer times that are going to be going on in this incoming week. And so, brother, we give you a warm word of welcome today. We enjoyed his ministry this morning in the adult and young adult Bible classes. 
We're very happy also to have Reverend Andrew Fitton with us today. He's going to be bringing the word this morning. Our brother is the newly elected and about to be ordained and installed minister in our Cloverdale congregation. And uh, that's coming up, Lord willing, in the month of June. And so there are several things happening. And you know, when we have been confronted with these things recently, is a great answer to prayer and an evidence that the Lord is working when we see him moving men into vacant pulpits, uh, such as Cloverdale. And uh, we see also what he has been doing in the recent ordination installation of Ramon Sosa in the Dominican Republic, and uh, what's been happening and is happening in uh, Cordoba in Mexico with Brother Lalo Pena, and there's so many things going on. We're looking forward to our service tonight, and uh, Brother Pastor Lalo Pena will be uh, bringing a presentation on his work in Mexico and then bringing a word this evening. And so we have a few things going on that are very, very encouraging. So we want to welcome you all, both in person and viewing our service online today. You're very, very welcome in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You will see that we have the communion table set before us. And at the conclusion of this service now, today we'll be having in the morning a meeting around the Lord's table It is for those who have been born again of God's Spirit. If you know that you are a child of Jesus Christ, you know you're in of the Lord, then you're welcome to have the Lord's table and join with us. And you don't have to be a member of this congregation, but you do have to be a member. Our brother was speaking this morning about the difference between the visible and the invisible church. Well, if you're part of the body of Christ... You are the invisible church, and you're welcome to fellowship with us around the table today. Now, please pay close attention to some of the ministry announcements that we have for you uh, this uh, today because it involves this week, and we don't want anyone to miss out on any of the meetings and the times of blessing that there will be in this incoming week And I want to say, first of all, a word of thanks to the workers that have been helping to prepare for this week. It's been very, very encouraging. On Monday night past, we had a grounds party cleanup and work party, and both outside in the grounds and inside in the church, and it was very, very good. We got a lot of work accomplished. Thank you to everyone who was here, and thank you to the ladies who are doing the inside And we had to shoo some of them out at quarter to ten at night, I think it was, because they were still wanting to get the last bits done. And so that was very, very encouraging. So thank you, everyone, being a part of that. 5.50 today, we have our pre-service prayer time, and that will be in the fellowship room, which is just outside here to your right in the hallway. And then our evening service at 6.30. I've always already mentioned about Pastor Lalo Pena. And then tomorrow is when the majority of the ministers and elders will be arriving, and some of our men will be going to the airport to pick up those who will be coming in, and most of them are staying in the Best Western Hotel, Well, some have other accommodations they have arranged themselves. And then we have a barbecue here at 5.30, but that's only for our visitors that will be coming in, those involved in the prayer times, so that's at 5.30. 
And uh, we have our men's prayer time tonight, a Monday night that starts at 7.30. And that will be for the ministers and the elders. Then on Tuesday is when the actual services start for our ministers and the presbytery meetings. And I don't need to go into those details now because the men already have that full schedule for the week. And uh, the important meetings for the congregation are Wednesday and Thursday. So on Wednesday evening, there's a time difference. It's at 7 p.m., so not 7.30. Make sure you note that. 7 o'clock is when our meeting is going to be. It's our midweek worship time, and it's going to be a full service. Our ministers and elders will be bringing a message in song that night, and that's always a blessing for the congregation. And We want everyone to make extra effort to attend and bring family and friends and other visitors you would like to come along. It will be a good service. We're looking forward, well, to have two men licensed on that evening service. We're hoping that our brother Richard Craig will be able to be licensed uh, for the ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church, and then also Brother Frank DiDerno. And we have a couple of testimonies also set up for that evening. And then Brother uh, Reverend Jeff Bannister is the preacher for that night. It's going to be a full night, fellowship time afterward also on Wednesday. So please set that aside. And then on Thursday night at 7 p.m., we have an international dinner. And that's also for all of our congregation, and it's a time for you to come, get together, and fellowship with all the visitors, to meet them and have a good time with them. We also have some testimonies planned after that dinner on Thursday night as well. And ladies, you've been doing so much preparation. If you're coming along for the international dinner, make enough for your family, and then a little bit more for the visitors who will be here, and we always enjoy great times of fellowship, and the hospitality is always a tremendous blessing. Next Lord's Day, well, I should back up for just a moment. We always have at our May Presbyterian prayer times, we have two representatives that come from the Northern Ireland Presbytery, or the denomination there, and uh, they assign and send two men, as two of our men go to the January week of prayer that they hold over there. And so this year, uh, Reverend John Greer and Reverend John Armstrong are the two men coming to represent the Ulster Presbytery. They'll be speaking during our minister's time, and then Brother John Greer will be next Lord's Day morning here in our church, and John Armstrong in the evening. I think I don't think I said, but Pastor Lalo Pena is in Barrie this morning. That's where he's preaching today. And he'll be in Port Hope next Lord's Day evening. And so there's a lot of moving around back and forth. But please keep all of these meetings in your prayers. We want to be very conscious that in every detail, the unfolding of all these arrangements, that they have all been done to the honor of the Lord and that he will be glorified in every single meeting that we have. We're going to praise the Lord again by singing number 653. Hymn number 653. And if you are giving your offering, your tithes in, the plate is on the table as you leave in the foyer.
653. We'll stand pleased to sing. hymn taken from Revelation chapter 5 and it's great to sing the word of God and to sing the themes of scripture as the word of the Lord and the hymns that we have and the psalms are full of the praises of our king great joy to welcome to our pulpit today Reverend Andrew Fitton the first time he has been in our church and the first time he's been in the city of Toronto And we're very happy that our brother is here with us for this week and here to bring the word today. We have been much in prayer for the Cloverdale congregation, and and I've been much in prayer for it too because I have the job of the interim pastor, and that responsibility is to try to find a new pastor for that congregation. In the meantime, the responsibilities of filling the pulpit and all those duties that uh, come along with that. 
So I'm rejoicing as much as any man uh, that the congregation has called this brother to be their pastor, and he has accepted that call, and that has gone through all of the different steps of procedure in order to see that come to pass. And so the final, well, I should say really it's the beginning of it, is going to happen in the month of June in the will of the Lord, as that's ratified by the presbytery, that he will be ordained and installed there as their pastor. He's been living in Calgary, Alberta, for the last three years, and there he visited. He met a young lady that became his wife, and uh, so they are married now and made plans already moving toward Cloverdale, British Columbia, to take up the work of God there. So, brother, we're very happy that you're with us today. The Lord bless you as you bring the word Lord today. I'd like to thank your minister for the words of welcome. It's good to be with you here today, and it's a privilege to be among you. I remember hearing about the congregation here and the opening of your building. I think that must be about 30 years ago. I was a very, very young child, but I do remember the various reports that came back to Ulster, and I wondered in the back of my mind, would one day I ever end up in Toronto? Uh, and I thought, well, that's not going to happen because I'm scared of flying, and I'm never going to set foot in a plane. And it was about, I think, 10 years after that, I made my first journey by plane, and now I don't know how many thousand air miles I've clocked up since then. Uh, but it's good to be with you. I do thank you for your prayers uh, concerning uh, the uh, call to the church in Cloverdale, and we rejoice in the Lord's leading and in the Lord's blessing, and we look forward in the month of June, of coming among the people there and being their pastor. So do pray for us and pray the Lord would bless in that regard. And we're looking forward to this week as well of fellowshipping amongst you and the various brethren who will come as well. A couple of days ago there in Alberta, there was Mr. Stephen Crawford, one of the Ulster licentiates. He came across He's preaching in Cloverdale. He came across to Alberta. He preached at the prayer meeting in Calgary, and he wanted to see a few sites. So I took him to Lake Louise. I took him to Banff, and I spent the day being like a tourist because at Lake Louise, he puts his hand into his pocket, and out comes the Ulster flag. And we had to get a photograph posing with the flag. And of course, everyone then thought I was a tourist. And in Banff, with my accent, it was the same. They thought I was a tourist. Uh, But I was a local uh, from Calgary uh, for the past few years, as our brother said. Uh, But I remember as a young child uh, living in Wales, and I think over a period of three or four years, I had about three different accents. And I think, uh, looking back in that time, I'm not sure how that happened. I went from being Northern Irish to Welsh to English and back to being Northern Irish. And I'm wondering what will happen here in Canada Uh, But I was speaking to the Reverend McClellan yesterday, and when our brother opens his mouth, you think he's just arrived, just got off the plane from Northern Ireland. And so I'll be looking at our brother's advice in how to keep your accent. And uh, I I like my accent. Well, I'm told people like my accent. I'm not sure whether that's true or not, uh, but that's what I'm told. You have a lovely accent. Uh, But certainly, uh, it is good to be here in Canada. Uh, to live here, to serve the Lord here, to fellowship amongst you this morning. 
And as we turn to the Word of God, we do pray that He would open His Word to us and have that Word, that message for our hearts. And we're turning to the prophecy of Haggai, Haggai chapter 1, that little book that is found at almost the very end of the Old Testament. Haggai chapter 1. And we'll take a moment this morning to read this chapter. For what we want to say this morning, it is good to consider this chapter. Haggai chapter 1, the verse 1, let us hear the Word of God. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? And now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountain, and bring wood, and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. He looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when he brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. In the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. And as we come to the Lord's word, I attended our uh, Presbytery prayer meeting 
on Zoom uh, this past week, and the message that was brought there uh, brought my attention to these events and to Haggai. Uh, there was a connection in the time period and uh, in the message. And then our brother uh, spoke this morning on uh, reasons to uh, come to church on the Lord's Day. In other words, uh, we could say he spoke about the importance of making church your priority. And uh, the Reverend Saunders uh, said about priorities when he closed that meeting, and uh, they were all laying the foundation uh, for what we want to consider this morning in God's will. And that is uh, verse 5. Of course, the whole chapter is involved here in the context, but verse 5 says, Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Let us unite together in prayer, and let us seek the Lord as we come to consider His precious Word uh, this morning. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we do rejoice in Thy Word today. We rejoice in what we have already heard this morning. We rejoice we can also praise Thy name. We rejoice we can be found in Thy house. And Father, what a privilege it is to be here, to fellowship with Thy people, to open Thy Word, to have that blessed fellowship with Thee. And, O oh God, we cry to Thee today that as we come now to the preaching of Thy Word, we need Thy help and we need Thy power. Father, we realize that uh, the flesh is insufficient for these things. And we pray for Thy Spirit to come, uh, to take Thy Word, to apply Thy Word not merely to our minds, but into the very depths of our hearts. And may Christ be glorified. And Father, we pray that as we consider these things, uh, we see uh, the sin of the people here in this chapter. But Father, we pray that Thou would be pleased to uh, turn our minds to the Savior, to focus us upon Christ, uh, the One who delivers from sin, but the One to whom we serve, the One whom we live for. Father, we pray that the Lord Jesus Christ would be preeminent in each of our lives. And as we come to the Lord's table, we do remember what the Apostle said to the church at Corinth. Examine yourselves. And Father, may we examine ourselves today in light of Thy Word so that we can come and rejoice at the table of the Lord that Christ is our Savior, that Christ is our King, that Christ and His Word has that top priority within each of our lives. Father, apply Thy Word to our various needs, we pray. Speak to those outside of Christ. Speak to those, Father, who know and love Thee, those whose hearts are cold. Warm them again through the power of Thy Word. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. John Bunyan's 1678 Christian classic, The Pilgrim's Progress, tells the story of Christian as he travels to the celestial city. It is written as an allegory of the Christian on their pilgrimage to heaven. And throughout this journey, we come across many characters that reflect the various aspects of our spiritual walk in life. 
One of those characters is called pliable. Pliable means easily influenced. And in Christian's journey, pliable is moved by Christian's description of heaven. He travels with him just for a short distance. And when they reach the slough of despair, pliable realizes that the journey will be too hard. It will be too difficult. And he makes the decision to return to the city of destruction. Bunyan writes as pliable and says, is this the happiness you have told me all this while off? If we have such ill speed at our first setting out, what may we expect betwixt now and our journey's end? Because of the problems and because of the difficulties, Pliable lost his interest in continuing the journey to the celestial city. And one of the problems in the church of Christ today is that of indifference, a lack of concern, a lack of interest to the work of God. It is not a new issue, but rather it can be traced throughout church history. And we see something of it here in Haggai chapter 1. There is indifference here to the work of God and the focusing of attention and time on other matters rather than spending that time in the Lord's work, or rather, perhaps more specifically, spending time on other things at the expense of God's work. There are things in life we must do. We must work. We must go to our employment. And we must care for our families. But there are many things we do in life that perhaps take away our focus from Christ and from his work. And here in Haggai chapter 1, the priorities of Israel were not what they should have been. When we consider the historical narrative here, and we could spend all morning detailing the historical narrative, but let me be as brief as possible. In Second Chronicles chapter 36, the people had mocked and abused the prophets of the Lord who brought a warning from God to the nation of Judah. And as a result of this, King Nebuchadnezzar conquered Jerusalem. The house of God was left desolate, and many people were taken into captivity in Babylon. At the commencement of the book of Ezra, we find that uh, there were those who went back into Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And the book of Ezra details this building work. But when we come to chapter 4, there is a continuing attack on that work, and eventually the work stopped. And coming into Haggai, Haggai appears 20 years after that building work stopped. God said, build the temple. They engaged in that until the opposition got too hard, and then for 20 years, nothing happened but their own priorities. And now Haggai comes upon the scene, and he warns, and he challenges, and he says, consider your ways. You were to build this house, this temple. Consider your ways. Consider your ways. And this morning, I want us to consider this. As the Lord's people, we are to consider our ways. And in the context of examining our priority in life, examining our priority in life, oh, how we have priorities in life, a priority of work, a priority of education, a priority of family. And those are important priorities. The priority of our role and our work within the church of Christ. Maybe we have other priorities. 
our hobbies, our activities. The support of our hockey team or sports or whatever it may be, that may be a priority. Something that creeps in and comes first very often. And all these things, they can have their time within our lives, but we must prioritize. We must prioritize. If I said to you this morning, well, last night, when I had time to look over my message, I sat around and did nothing. I read a novel. I just sat there on my phone texting, and this morning I woke up two minutes before breakfast, had breakfast, got dressed, came out to the house of God. The first time I looked at my sermon was five minutes ago. You'll wonder what was going on. Did he not look over it? Did he not uh, pray over it? Did he not spend time making sure he knew what the Word of God was? Well, yes, because it is a priority. Priorities had to be set out, and there is the priority of the Word of God that came first and foremost. And the same is true within our lives. The priority of attending God's house, the priority of coming and hearing the Word of God, the priority of putting Him first above all things and obeying Him. It's a priority. You would certainly question my authorities if I only opened my sermon five minutes ago instead of looking it over this morning, etc. But how often do we not put God first? How often are we like these people in this chapter and other things take the preeminence over the Lord because the Lord's work is difficult? Or the Lord's work in this case was forbidden and therefore our priorities, our desires come first. Examining our priority in life. And I want you to see, first of all, that we must repent from our personal sin. We must repent from our personal sin. If we are to set our priorities aright, we are to repent from our personal sin. We must realize past sins, that we have sinned before the God of heaven. And dear believer, when we think of sin, we are to examine ourselves. We are to look at ourselves in light of the Word of God. That is what Paul said to the church at Corinth when he spoke about the Lord's table. He said, examine yourselves. As you come to the table of the Lord, look at your life. Not look at the lives of others, but look at yourself. And look at yourself in light of God's Word. Is there sin within your life? Are there things within your life that hinder your relationship with God? And that is a difficult question for us to answer. We can see the sin in others, but it's harder to consider that sin ourselves. It is painful. It is painful. And Haggai comes and he brings this message, verse 4, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? They had looked after themselves, but God's house was desolate. And I want you to notice that word sealed in verse 4. That word in the Hebrew refers to a covering or a roof. Their houses had roofs, we could say. Their houses here, it signifies their houses were finished. That work was complete. Now, when you build a house, you don't start with the roof. You start with the foundations. 
and you build up, and eventually there's a roof that goes on. And so the Word of God is telling us here that these houses were finished. In this space of 20 years, where God's house lay desolate, the people concentrated on themselves. Now, it is not wrong to build a house. It is not wrong to live in a house, of course. But that was their priority here. Instead of God's house and putting God first, they looked after themselves. And God's house lay waste. It was dry. It was desolate. It was parched. It was ruined. The command from God was to finish His house because it was fundamental to His worship. I want you to see that there was a neglect here in obeying God's command to labor. There was a neglect here in obeying God's command to labor. Their duty and responsibility before God was to labor in the building of the temple. And the Lord brought them out of Babylon for that very purpose. We would see that in the book of Ezra. But if you turn back to Ezra chapter 4, Ezra chapter 4, we see a number of attacks that came upon the people. Ezra 4, the verse 1 tells us, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as ye do. And verse 3, their response was, Ye have nothing to do with us to build an house unto our God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel. They had adversaries who presented themselves as friends. There are many enemies of the gospel who will present themselves as friends of the gospel. But a firm stand was taken here. There was a separation. The people of God were focused on their work and the task at hand. And there was a separation from those who would seek to hinder the work, from those who were their enemies and the enemies of God. If a hockey player from one team said to the opposing player, pass me the puck, I'm on your side, I'll help you score. Well, what's going to happen? They're not going to do that because it's clearly a trick. Now, they might do it because they're not very good at hockey, but they wouldn't deliberately do it. They think, no way is this person changing sides in the middle of a game. It's not going to happen. And it's the same here. The adversaries were trying to present themselves as friends, but the leaders had no time for it. God was first. They separated themselves to the work. There was this firm stand in view. But verse 4 of Ezra 4 tells us, Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building. Their true colors were seen. They began to weaken them and to trouble them. Verse 5, they hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. And eventually the decree of the king came and the work was ceased. Verse 4, then ceased the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. And it was set aside for 20 years. And you may say, well, how is that a sin? Because... They were forced to do this. 
Eventually, the decree of the king came to cease the work. It's a sin because they failed to oppose the king's decree. They failed to honor and obey God. They showed the true nature of their heart. They showed indifference. There was no interest in continuing this work despite the opposition. The opposition. Trusting God in Acts chapter 4, we read of Peter and John being commanded not to preach or teach in the name of Christ at all. And what did they do? They went back to the church. And did they say, well, we can't preach anymore? No. They went and they prayed for boldness. Not that these people would be removed, but they prayed that God would continue to give them confidence to do that very thing that God had commanded to preach the gospel to every creature. Here in Haggai chapter 1, they did not do that. They ceased the work, and they looked to their own priorities. The Savior said in John 16, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And dear believer, how encouraging that is to us. We face opposition. There's opposition in our Christian lives and opposition to the work of God. The devil is busy. Perhaps you are struggling to serve the Lord, struggling to obey the Lord, struggling in a sinful world, in a sinful workplace, in a sinful school perhaps, wherever God has placed you, struggling to live for God as the world hassles you and hinders you. Keep your eyes upon the Savior. Why? Because He said Himself, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. The world will not have victory over us. We see here, secondly, there's a rejection of God's mandate for worship. A rejection of God's mandate for worship. There are many texts we could go to to look at these things. I'll try to be brief. But simply, it was their duty to worship God. And as part of that duty, the temple was to be rebuilt for that worship. It was the center of Old Testament worship. Now, the temple was destroyed as a result of sin. We see that. Second Chronicles 36, King Zedekiah, despite the warning of God, continued in sin. And the invaders came in. The people followed their leaders into sin. There's a great warning here that sin... Sin in society, sin in leaders, whether it's in the church, whether it's in society, it influences others. And the great result of all this in Second Chronicles 36 was the destruction of the temple. The work of God can be hindered greatly by sin. That is why, dear believer, you and I, whoever we are in the church of Christ, we should seek to live for Christ. We should seek to flee sin not to fall into the snares and the temptations of sin, but to flee from it, to be far away from it, to mortify it, to put it to death, as the apostle says, because sin not only will hinder our relationship with God, sin affects the witness of His church. Sin affects others. We must be aware of such things. But they rejected God's mandate for worship because the temple was left desolate. But the temple was something that was precious to the Lord's people. 
In Old Testament worship it was. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. There was gladness. There was joy coming and meeting with the Lord. And our brother touched on these things this morning. There's a peace. There's gladness when we're found in the presence of the Lord. That is where we must be as believers. The temple was precious to God's people. The fellowship and worship of His people ought to be precious to us. Matthew Henry said we ought to worship God in our own houses, but that is not enough. We must go into the house of the Lord to pay our homage to Him there and not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And what does sin do? Sin takes away the preciousness of the house of the Lord to our souls. The house of God was not as precious to these people in Haggai 1 as it ought to have been. Dear believer, is the house of God precious to you? Do you love coming and fellowshipping with the Lord's people, singing His praises? Singing His praises? I'm glad to be here this morning, not because it's a new free Presbyterian church I've never been to before. It's great to see the work of God here and how God is blessed. But above that, it's great to be with God's people. It's great to have fellowship with you. It's great to listen to preaching. It's great to preach. It's great to worship God together and sing the hymns of Zion together as we come because that gathering is precious. It's precious. I remember during the pandemic, sitting at home listening to online services because that's the way that things were. You missed the fellowship. There's something different about it. It was not the same. You missed the preciousness of coming together. Maybe, maybe after all of those things, we see something about the importance of that and the preciousness of being together. We took it for granted. Never spent so many Sundays in my life away from church, watching on a screen, but away from the fellowship of God's people. It never happened before, ever, in my life. And something you take for granted, you realized, was so precious. So precious. But the temple was not precious here because it lay in ruin. And it had to be rebuilt as the worship of God was reinstated. But notice here as well, under this sin, there was a preeminent focus on their personal affairs. Building had taken place. And we see that. They had built their houses. Many commentators have the thought here that their houses were fine and filled with luxury. Some perhaps say that they had used the very building materials that sat there for the temple. Those materials were not being used. Some would say they used those materials. Whatever the case may be, they focused on themselves when the focus should have been on Christ. And dear believer, that is true today. And the principle of this is that our priorities are to be right. Not that we are to go and build a new church, but that our priorities are to be right. That the work that God has called us to, the work that God has for us to do, that is our priority. And everything else comes in second to that. There was a preeminent focus on their personal affairs. And how easy, 
how easy it is for these things to come between us and what God desires us to do. Are we failing to further the work of God? That's what we have in view here. This passage, as I've said, is not instructing us to go build a new church. The lesson here is to obey the command of God, to engage ourselves in His work, whatever that work may be, building a a place of worship in the context. But serving God, living for Him, engaging in His work, obeying His command. That the luxuries of life, our hobbies, our activities are second place to serving the Lord. Or perhaps we could say it this way, they don't come between us and God. We can enjoy sport. We can enjoy the activities and hobbies we have in this world, if they be good, if they be righteous. But they're not to come between us and God. Oh, the sports game is on the television. It's the night of the prayer meeting. What comes first? What comes first? The work of God, praying and meeting with His people. Watching a sports game that may be important to your team. The Lord must come first. That is the lesson we draw here. There was a readiness to make excuses to cover unwillingness. Uh, We see that here as well. Verse 2, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts. God is speaking here, and He's speaking about the people, and He says, They're saying, this people say, the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. When we think of this, this is horrific. They are saying, tell God He can wait. The time to build His house is not now. We're going to do our own thing. There's an excuse here. God brought them back from Babylon for the very purpose of rebuilding His house. And they said, that's not the time. It's not the time. Who are we to tell God it is not the time when God says it is the time? They interpreted God's will by sight. I think that's very important. They looked at this situation. There was trouble. There were trials. There was a command by the king not to build. And therefore, they viewed God's will by what they saw. Opposition. Therefore, God's time is not now. They did not view God's will by God's Word, because God's Word said the time is now. And when we look by sight, oh, how discouraged we can be when we look at the opposition. But by faith and by the verification of God's Word, we are to go forward. Did God tell them to stop? God told them to build. Did God tell them to wait? No, God told them to build. And if God's truth was the final authority, then this situation would have been very different. Dear believer, let us not get discouraged by this world. Let us not disobey God because we are opposed by this world. Let us not seek and wait till situations change. Or hope situations change to do what God wants us to do. Yes, we need patience. And yes, this is a general statement. There are specific things. But the lesson is, 
God must be our priority. Let us live by faith and trusting in His Word, not by sight. Not by sight. They said it is not the time. Not the time. Let us not delay the Lord. Let us not delay Him. Dear believer, there are many lessons here for us to learn. And as we see from Haggai here, there's an encouragement to do that work. There's an encouragement here to consider your ways, to change yourself, to examine yourself, to do that U-turn, to come around and to change what had been happening, to put your life again on the right track. That's what we have here. The Lord is dealing with sin, yes. And sin must be dealt with, and sin brings condemnation. The Lord is coming here in love. He desires change. He desires them to consider their ways. Dear believer, will you consider your way today? Are there those things within your life? Has God not been first as He should be? Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Yes, you might not go home today and bow down to a little wooden statue. As we sometimes think other gods to be, but other gods can be of our making and our imaginations. Gods can be of our sports team. Gods can be of some activity in our lives that we enjoy. And it becomes a god. It becomes an idol. They're not to come before the living and true God of heaven. But dear sinner, what about you? You've never trusted Christ. You've never turned from sin. And the message here, generally speaking, is for you also to consider your ways. To consider Christ's salvation. To consider the Savior of the world who gave Himself for you. Who gave Himself for sinners. Oh, that you would consider your ways and look to the Savior. You would realize that there is one who can save. There may be religious activity on your part, but is there faith in Christ? Consider your ways. Consider your ways. Secondly here, and I want you to notice and uh, very quickly as our, our time is moving on, I should use my watch for the time because it's 10.15, thereabouts, 10.12 by Alberta time. And so we'll switch over to Alberta time then, and that gives me an extra two hours. I won't do that. We'll be brief on this. We must forsake our previous desires. Secondly, at verse 4 it says, It's a time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste. What is to happen here? There's to be a forsaking. There were previous desires. They were to forsake what they wanted to do, and Christ was to come first. And God's Word was challenging here. Is it time for ye to dwell in your houses that are finished, your houses that are fine and grand? And God's house, God's work is desolate. Oh, how sad it is if we were to concentrate all on ourselves and the work of God It just lies waste. Dear believer, if our priorities are not right and God is not first, His work does not get the priority that it ought to be. 
Let us forsake our previous desires, or let us put our desires for Christ, our desires for His Word, first. First. And the Lord says here, in verses number 6, moving down the passage, He says that because of sin, because of what they had done, there was no satisfaction. Their labor that they put first, all their activities that they deemed as more important than God, there was no satisfaction in them. Because they ate, but they were not filled. They drank, but they were not filled with drink. They were clothed, but they weren't warm. He that earneth wages took those wages, as it were, and put it into a bag with holes. If you were given your wages from work in cash, you would make sure that it's safe, that it's not going to fall out on the street. I was walking, I worked for Canada Post, and I was walking uh, to a house, and I delivered, and a few hours later I realized I'd lost my wallet, it had fallen out of my pocket, and I spent about an hour driving around, retracing my steps, trying to find it. I didn't see it because it had fallen in the snow at someone's house, Uh, but I got a message on Facebook uh, later that evening, and asking if I worked for Canada Post, and they had found my wallet. And I was so grateful and so thankful for it. It had just fallen out of my pocket. And what we have here is like that. But yet it's more deliberate. Because of sin, all the earnings were taken, and they were into a bag, and just, just wasted wasted. All their effort was being wasted because of sin. And these priorities had to be put in place. And God rebukes out of love. The previous desires had to be left behind. The flesh had to be mortified. Christ had to be glorified. Dear believer, what about your desires? Is Christ the desire of your soul? Is He the desire of your soul? Thirdly, here we see we are to be heavenly minded in life. We're to be heavenly minded in life. As we consider our ways, we must deal with sin. That sin is rebuked by God. But moving forward, our priorities are changed. And we must recognize God's plan and God's purpose. We're to be heavenly minded in life. And the Lord says in verse 8, He tells them what to do. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house. And I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified. They were to get their minds focused on the Savior and to do the work of the Lord. And dear believer, we must always seek to recognize God's purpose for our lives. That purpose may be alien to any of our desires. I want to take you to Canaan. There in Canaan, in the book of Genesis, there was a young man. He was given a coat by his father who loved him dearly. He went to check on his brother's well-being. And if we were to say, Joseph, would you like to be thrown in a pit? Joseph, would you like to be sold as a slave to Egypt? Would you like to be cast into prison for a crime you didn't commit, separated for years from your loving father? Do you want that life? Do you want that sorrow and that pain? Well, the human answer is no. We don't want this. We don't want this. But that was what God had decreed, and out of that came great blessing. Out of that came great blessing. If you had told me several years ago that I would come to Canada, not only uh, meet uh, my wife, 
but I would come to Canada three years ago on a three-week vacation to see my fiancé to plan uh, our wedding. And then it come a few days before an almost global lockdown that if I left Canada and went home, well, I wouldn't be getting married in August 2020. Uh, and then telling me that my family would not be present at my wedding, that I would then be driving a postal truck in the biggest snowfalls I've ever seen in a big Canadian city on, you say, the right side of the road, but in the United Kingdom, we would say the wrong side of the road. And then if you say I would be pastoring a church in North America, well, could I not just have the marriage bit and go back to Northern Ireland? Uh, that was not God's plan, as we know. God has a plan, and often we ourselves would run from it and flee from it. And here, these individuals, these people who were supposed to build the house of God, they were being instructed afresh, out of love by God, to do that which He commanded. Go and build the house. Obey me. I'll be glorified. I'll take pleasure in it, saith the Lord. They were to obey the will of God. Oh, how the will of God can be strange for us. And things we may not always see, but we're to obey Him. Consider your ways. Are you living a life that is heavenly minded? A life that is focused on the Savior? The Shorter Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Let us align ourselves with God. Let us align ourselves with His precious Word. And when we think of this, it's a difficult thing. To consider your ways is difficult. Because maybe you thought you're doing right, but God is saying, no, there's a different way, a right way, a righteous way. God's Word is always our guide, but there is a necessity. Dear believer, for you to go forward for God, your ways must be considered. Your priorities need to be assessed in light of the Word of God. When we think of the Reformation, there were men there who were not afraid to die for the cause of Christ. Their priorities were right. Why are we here today? Well, we could trace our, our history right back to the Reformation. Men who were not afraid. Apostles who were not afraid of what man could do because Christ was their priority. The blessing of God is seen when men put first the work of God. And what happened as we close very quickly? In conclusion, they obeyed. They obeyed. Verse 14. They had the fear of the Lord, verse 12. And they also had the blessing of the Lord. What did the Lord say, verse 13? I am with you. There was repentance. There was change. They considered their ways. They endeavored to put it right. And what did God say? I am with you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to let you do this alone. I am with you. I am with you. Dear believer, how encouraging that is that when we step forward for God, when we obey Him, when we serve Him, whether it's in our families, whether it's in the workplace or in the church, or God calls us to a full-time work or something more, I am with you. I am with you. Oh, how comforting that is. They had a great work to do. They had to restart a work that man had opposed. 
they had to build this house. It would not have the same grandeur as the temple of Solomon, but they knew God was with them. I am with you. Let us seek to obey God, but let us seek that I am with you, knowing the presence of God. Dear believer, consider your ways in light of who God is, in light of His Word, and may, may we know that great, that wonderful blessing. May the Lord bless His Word this morning for His name's sake. Amen. Let us have a brief word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank Thee for Thy Word. We pray that Thou would be pleased to apply it to us. May we consider our ways. May we look to the Savior. May Christ be seen within our lives as a people who know and love Him. And Father, may we know the closeness of our Savior. I am with you. Father, give us grace to always assess ourselves and examine ourselves to flee sin and to know the presence of God with us. Father, bless thy word. May it rest in all of our hearts. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank our brother for sharing that word today, a good challenge to our hearts. We want to close with this hymn that takes that theme, 560. It's a prayer. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. After the singing of the first verse, if you're not remaining for our communion, please feel free to, to leave. And if you would like to stay, even if you're not a believer, then you're welcome to do that too. I just ask you not to take of the elements. We're going to sing verses 1, 3, and 6, standing to sing. <laughs>